All right. Uh, so we're back here on Film Noobs. Welcome back. Uh, we will first of all, let's uh, give a big thanks to our sponsors, which is the South, uh, what is it? Southern Hospice Internal Treatment Center. Um, the ladies from over there, they got their Redux uh, checks in. So, you know, we got some tacos for this month. Uh, today, we do have Russell Brown. He is the director of the Bluetooth version. I'm looking at my notes, sorry. Uh, Bluetooth version, uh, Virgin, uh, which is a feature film that would, that won on our film festival, which is uh, River City Underground Film Festival here in San Antonio. It won for Best Feature, uh, Best Male Director, and yeah, well, Overall Feature, Best Drama, and Male Director. Um, Russell, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. How's uh, life treating you over there in California? California, right? Yeah, I mean, life's treating me fine, but I mean, you know, I think everybody's worried about what's going to happen, you know, and how we're going to return to some sort of like public normalcy, especially in the work that we all do with festivals and movie making and all of that. Uh, well, I know you are right now because I, I was reading some of the, your backstory or your info. You are on post editing yes so it shouldn't affect you too 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 much but at the same time it still affects you on a daily being that we're all creative and so we're doing other projects right yeah i mean the movie that i just finished actually we just finished final post work about a week before everything was shut down in los angeles or closed mm -hmm. and uh you know the real question now is when is the movie going to be able to start having its festival roll out because nobody knows which festivals are actually happening. So, you know, that's kind of the state that all of us involved with this film are trying to kind of navigate. Yeah. Cause I know here, um, as a matter of fact, in March, they just like maybe two weeks before it happened, South by South, which, which is one of the biggest in the nation, um, outside from cons and everybody else, you know what I mean? But, but South by Southwest, which is, big for us they, they they announced that it was going to be closed down to further notice but a lot of the screenings are still being held via um amazon prime i think they're having a special kind of thing whatnot but i don't know yeah i don't know either but anyway we'll see you know i think the, the filmmakers who you know were at south by southwest that's a tough position to be put in you know it's sort of like you know, you've worked so hard on for years on a film and you've gotten it into a prestigious festival and you have to make this, you know, part of why we all do this is to be with an audience and to see how they're reacting to work in the moment. And uh, it's, it would have been, if I was one of them, I think it would have been really hard to have made that decision, you know, whether or not to allow a movie to have its world premiere in a digital environment. Yeah, it is It is rough because it's not the same. That's not really what you want for your film. Yeah, I agree. Now, let's talk a little bit about uh, Bluetooth Virgin. Okay. That's the one um, that won in our film festival um, last year for our best film overall. Um, it was your second feature film, right? Yes. And you had a budget of over 200000 I believe? No, the budget for that movie was about fifty-five thousand. Fifty-five thousand, okay. Um, and you had star. Your two stars were all of Days of Our Lives, CSI, and Bryce Johnson of Pretty Little Liars, NCIS, and Supernatural. Is that correct? I guess so. I didn't know he was on Supernatural. I know his at the time Bryce's biggest credit was this show called Popular. Uh huh. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, he has, he has he has one one uh one episode on oh, Supernatural, and so I had to go back. I was like, wait, what? So I I went back and I'm like, oh, okay, okay, yeah. Oh, he was that bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's that guy. <laughs> There's always one guy that you always remember his face. Yeah. Everything he does, and you're like, man, that guy. You know that guy that was on that that show? Hey, yeah, that guy. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so let's talk about that. Um, give me a rundown of the film. Well, the film is about uh, two writers who are friends, and one is kind of more successful than the other. He's a magazine editor, and his the less successful guy is a screenwriter, and he's had one kind of 
one moment of success in his career where he wrote a television show a couple years before the movie began that had kind of one season. And that character is played by Austin Peck. And so he has written his new screenplay, which he thinks is a, is a wonderful movie. And he's gotten lots of feedback from his friends. And he's his screenwriter friends. Yes, his screenwriter friends. Yeah. <laughs> and he gives it to his good friend David to read. And um, David, played by Bryce Johnson, has, has to tell him that he thinks it's terrible and he didn't understand it. And that causes a real problem in their friendship, a real breakdown in their friendship. But from there, both of the characters go on these kind of journeys that get into sort of the philosophy of writing, the motivations for writing, kind of what artists go through uh, in terms of kind of success and failure and validation and praise and criticism, and uh, really gets into these questions about how creative people work and... Um, you know, kind of the pain that they go through a lot of the times in their own minds when they're making films and, and writing. What gave you this idea, though? Um, you know, I think it really started as kind of a funny thing because this was a situation that I'd been through on both sides, you know, in Los Angeles particularly, and I went to film school, and, you know, you're often put in the position of giving feedback to your friends and you're often put in the position of receiving feedback from friends. And, you know, as I went through that process over and over again for many years, I just started thinking about how much layers are in that situation. Um, and it brings up all kinds of stuff for people and all kinds of, you know, really interesting uh, self-reflection. You know, when you receive criticism from a friend and really what the meaning of friendship is and what are the responsibilities of a friend. And um, it was just fertile territory that I had never really seen explored in a movie. Yeah, I, that, that's one thing that I, when we were watching the film, we had to kind of like sit back and like, dude, it reflects a lot of us because it is like you were saying in film school because I went to the film school also. But and it was like. How do you sit there and tell somebody's like, oh, well, you know, dude, you, it kind of bites. You know, it's like it's been done before. Um, this reminds me so much of XYZ movie. Um, you just change the names. Like, no, 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 it's never been done. I'm like, dude, look, let's Amazon this thing. And yeah, sure enough. You know, I mean, things like that. Um, one of my favorite parts is when they're smoking on a rooftop. And he's like, well, you got one of two options. You could either tell them the truth or... You could lie to him. And then they're going back and forth in that, that conversation alone. You know you've had it plenty of times. Yes. You know, plenty of times with all your friends. And you're like, man, dude, am I going to be that asshole? Or am I going to be the best bud that he needs? But, right. Yeah. <laughs> but we loved, I mean, we, we really enjoyed the movie. And then I think um, it was the conversations. The, like you said, the process of figuring out who you are and how to interact with each other at the end. Um, yeah. it, it really was well done because a lot of times, especially in drama, conversations tend to get stale. Um, and they're, they're like, I want to say there's conversations in film and then there's conversations in real life. And a lot of times the film doesn't reflect real life, but in yours... It, it almost like paralleled it so well without being too realistic because when you realistic conversation, it goes nowhere. But in film, you have to get to a point really quick. Yeah, I mean, I've sort of gotten into this, you know, my, I, my new film that I just wrote in a way is, is even more of a challenge uh, from a writing perspective than this current one because the new film is two characters, but it's only them the whole time. Like in the Bluetooth version, you know, you're introduced to new people. So new dynamics can come in and new conflict can be, you know, brought into the scenes. Um, because it, even though it, it feels like regular conversation, I'm glad you felt that way about it. One of the, one of the things that's sort of operative in those scenes is that throughout the scene, there's always conflict. There's yeah. always there's always values. There's always disagreements within the conversation. So it really 
I think the reason, if you think those scenes work, these long 12 minute two person scenes, it's really because they're not just chatting, they're actually arguing <laughs> or they're working something out. And so there's sort of a, a tension that, that gets brought into it. Yeah, because a lot of time, especially now, you see a lot of the films, they're like 60 second to 30 second cuts. And it's like, dude, where's my attention going? What am I supposed to be looking at? But here you've slowed down that conversation and actually got into the dynamics of the two people. You know what I mean? And like you were saying, there is conflict, but it, it doesn't seem like you're dragging this conversation on forever. Right. Because a lot of times it does seem that way, um, especially in drama. And, and that's a hard thing to do is like, where do I, I cut him off? You know right. I mean? I know. <laughs> you got to find that moment when has the audience had, have I, have I, have I gone too far in yeah. this scenario of just having two people talk? And you can really feel it in a room, you know, where it's like, oh, this is still a little too long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, your process for, for writing, what would you say, you know, the, the, what is it? How do you go about, you know, sitting there and actually thinking of all these conversations, these people, the world around them and whatnot? Well, you know, my process of writing is... It's interesting because it's it's a little hard to describe because really there isn't one. I mean, what it is is that I just sit down and I just start writing. Like I'll just write scenes, I'll write dialogue, I'll just write and write and write and write and write and I'll have tons of stuff, you know, like I'll have, and I can write really fast. If I take three hours, I'll have 25 pages of dialogue. I mean, none of it may be useful, but there's just material being generated and generated and generated. And I usually have this kind of vague notion of like who the characters are, but I haven't done, you know, I know a lot of writers kind of will do, you know, like a whole three page outline of the characters' histories and, you know, a lot of detailed plot thing, you know, and I don't do that. I just kind of go into my imagination and see what comes out. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, and I do that for a while. <laughs> <laughs> and then it becomes a, a process of just forming the clay, you know, yeah. and taking stuff out and editing it and moving things around. And so it's it's not really a process so much as it is kind of like a um, just an exploration of the dialogue and the characters and like getting their voices to sound right and getting being able to hear their voices in my head and follow who they are and. So, it, you know, that's sort of the beginning of it. And then it becomes like a real editorial process where you're just editing and editing and editing and rewriting and editing. And, you know, so to me, it's it's more an editorial. There's kind of the imaginative and then there's the editorial versus a timeline. But I think every project is different. You know, like maybe I just haven't written thing yet that requires a little bit more of a structured process okay now i have a question because you were saying you find their voice yeah now a lot of times I, i've seen it and I, i've heard it and i even experienced it myself to where i know the character intimately yeah here comes you know austin here comes bryce right and they completely take him out and how do you deal with that well, it's funny because I had, okay, so I just made a film. I don't remember this happening so much on Bluetooth Virgin. I do, so, but on, I just finished a movie called Lauren and Rose, and I think it turned out really well. I'm super proud of the movie, and uh, the lead actress is Jacqueline Bissett. And, you know, when I'm working with actors, I'm always very open to sort of changing things and listening to what they have to say, but there were a couple things that she wanted um, and I just said, your character wouldn't say that your character would not say that. And here's why, here's why your character would not say that. <laughs> and, you know, she, and she fought me on it. And there's one, there's actually one example where I said, well, you can say it, but I'm going to cut it out. <laughs> and she's like, okay, but I'm still going to say it. I was like, okay, we can do that if you want, but <laughs> I'm telling you now it's not staying in because your character would not say that. And oh here's why. 
But I think if you're, you know, when you're working with actors, you know, if you, directors have to be able to talk about why, why the characters are saying what they're saying, what they you know, they, they have to be able to do that. So I think you're never going to have an argument with an actor or you're never going to have bad blood with an actor. If you can have an opinion about why a character would say something from a writing point of view, they will always respect that. Um, if you can really talk about it intelligently and, and, you know, but every now and then an actor will call you on something about why their character wouldn't say that. And that's their job. You know, their job is to understand this character and why they would and wouldn't do or say certain things. And sometimes they're right. And you as a director or a writer also have to be egoless and wise enough to trust them and to get yourself out of the way and say, okay, they're right here. Like I didn't see it that way when I was writing it, but they're right. And I'm going to go with their instinct. Okay. Now, again, the, the Bluetooth version, you had two very seasoned actors. Yeah. Um, and you were saying the, the movie you've worked on right now, you've, you, again, you have other seasoned actors. Yeah. Most of us, when we start off, we start off with friends, family, um, the, the local actor that's, that's up and coming. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to call them, you know, noobs or anything because they're up and coming. Um, how do you transition you as a director, you know, to to working on them, to getting them on your your project. You know, I mean, it's it, it's a big step there. Well, those are kind of different. So, there's a couple of parts of the question. The first question is how do you how do you get them? Yeah. And then there's the how do you work with them? Do you want me to talk about both? Yeah, yeah, please. Well, getting them is. There's a lot that goes into that. I mean, first of all, you have to just be a little bit realistic about who you can actually get. You know what I mean? And like, you know, I think a lot of younger filmmakers, and I'm not trying to be discouraging to people, but, you know, you're not, you know, you're not going to get the, 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 if there's a 20 something year old male part in the movie, you know, you're not going to get the A-list 20 something, you know, they have every other option to do in their life. You're not going to get Timothy Chalamet, you know, yeah. if you don't have the track record yet, or it's just not, or you don't have the money or that. So I think the first thing is, is to kind of start with a realistic idea. I mean, the second thing to recognize is that actors are always looking for great parts always. And they are always, I mean, pretty much without fail, will take pay cuts, will fight their scheduling for the other things in their lives to play a great part. Yeah. Actors are motivated by great parts. They are desperate for great parts. Um, so I know that sounds contradictory to what I just said, but Timothy Chalamet is being offered a lot of great parts. There's a lot, there's, you know, but the next level down, may not be being offered as many great parts. So those people are eager for great parts. So the yeah. next question is, how do you get your project to them? And, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of different ways you can do that. You can work with a producer, you can work with a casting director, you know, you can, you know, build your network a little bit to get into the agency yeah. world and to have your project considered. Um, I think it's good to sort of like build a team. So it doesn't just look like, Hey, I'm a filmmaker with a script. Will you join on? You know, you want to kind of have a team around you and a presentation and here's the budget. Here's where we want to shoot. Here's what I have to pay you. Here's who we're thinking of for the other parts. Here's a lookbook for what I want the film to look like. I mean, I think if you're a, a newer filmmaker trying to attract bigger talent, the, the more professional and together you can appear and be, the, the better chance you'll have on landing somebody. But the, I think that the sort of gates to those people are exaggerated. I mean, those people 
actors and their reps want great parts. They're looking for the part that's going to turn them into the Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. No, okay. Because <laughs> I had like several questions. Yeah. When, when and I don't want to inter- and, uh, interrupt you, whatnot. You were talking about a great team, and again, going back to uh, the two. Oh, stupid cat. Um, that's the only thing oh, no. working from sure, work. Cats. There's only amazing oh. cats. <laughs> there's there's stupid people who own great cats. I'm one of those. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. I just I have like seven cats and they're all over me here. Oh my god, my cats are out there and they're usually all over me too, so it's fine. <laughs> okay, um, so if you see a tail or something, you already know why. Talking about having a great team on the Bluetooth version, your cinematographer Marco Bargoli. Marco Fagnole, yes. Okay, I I didn't. How to correctly pronounce his last okay. name? I was like, Fargoli? Far, Fargoli? For? Anyways, <laughs> Marco, he did extremely well. Yeah. Um, inside the cafe. Yeah. Beautiful. It looked like, you know, it was daytime. Um, it wasn't overdone. You could tell one source lighting, all that good stuff. Um, again, we're talking about three point lighting, a lot of the, the technical aspects of that. How much did you have to work with him or was he the one like, no, here's my creative process. I'm going to make it look better for you. Right. I mean, the way I work with my keys, Mm -hmm. uh, when I say keys, I mean, department heads, you know, camera department head, you know, I can't talk to them in their particular language. You know, like I, I generally can't say, you know, we need a blah, blah, blah light here and a twinkly toes light here. You know, like I don't yeah. know what those are. I don't know what the correct thing is. My job is to explain the scene to them. <laughs> like, here's what's happening in the scene. Here's yeah. what the scene is about. Here's how the scene should feel. Here's some visual references that I've collected from other films or from photographs or from paintings that suggest the tone or the color palette of the scene. You got to give them some meat to fill yeah. up their fill up their creative juices. And you can do this with all your department heads. You know, like I can't tell you, you know, this actor should wear this kind of suit and this kind of tie and this color shirt. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like I don't know stitching and I don't know any of that. Here's who this character is. You know, this character, you know, wants to create an appearance of, of being smarter than he is. He wants to create an appearance of being more sophisticated than he is. He's intimidated by this other character, so he's going to dress up in this scene. But something about him should suggest that he doesn't have a lot of money. You know what I mean? Like, talk about the character and then let them do the work. So, you know, I don't remember exactly what Marco and I talked about. I mean, I, I will talk about sections of dialogue and say, okay, you know, for this section, I want to do these swish pans because this is where the, the dialogue is getting really, there's a real conflict going on here. So let's do swish yeah. pans for here. Then I want to, you know, get a, a real sense of loneliness in this apart, in this restaurant. So we're going to pull back and, and just see how isolated they are and sort of how quiet and uncomfortable and eerie the whole scene is. Um, you know, camera angle and position is something I can get into more than kind of how it's lit and all of that. Um, but I think your main job is to really understand the scene and how the, the visual storytelling is going to contribute to the scene. Now you edit, right? Yeah. So as an editor, writer, director, which most of us kind of tend to be anyways, your job, are you actually like, doing it as you're shooting you know what i mean like some of us is like no 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 no, i don't need to shoot extra because i'm already editing in my head as we're shooting yeah you know what i, mean? I don't um, really edit in my head so much as i um prevision yeah i mean i think i think shot lists are great i think kind of you know trying to get a sort of a vague sense of how the scene might be cut together but I think you always have to leave yourself options, you know, because things may not work out the way you thought when you're in the cutting room. 
Um, so you don't want to be so sure of your editorial choices that you haven't given yourself other options. Um, but yeah, there's always a certain amount of kind of editing going on because you're always making sure that things are going to match and cut together. Yeah. I mean, that being, I think it's really important for filmmakers, you know, to sit in the editing room for a long time. If you're making your first film, your first film, even if you're not editing it directly, sit there all day and just watch the cut come together because all of those choices and grap you know, fighting with footage and wrestling a scene to the ground, you know, it's important to be there for that and to understand the complexity of getting a scene to play well, I yeah. think. Cool. Now, you said you went to film school, right? Yeah. You think that helped you with the whole process? Is it like one of those, like, a lot of, there's, there's always that question, to film school or not to film school? Right. What's your opinion on that one? Um, I think that, well, so I went to film school to be a, a critic. Like, I wanted to be a writer. Mm -hmm. um, so I wasn't really making a lot of films in film school. Um, you know, I think that, I think it's sort of like a case-by-case -case thing. I don't think it's necessarily... A lot of people who went to film school to do certain crafts didn't end up doing the crafts they thought they were going to do and didn't end up following the career they thought they were going to end up. But you could say that for all study that people do in college. So I don't know. I think if you're at the point in your life where you're just love films and love movie making and you have to be involved in it in a deep way and that's your passion, then I would go to film school. But I think if you think that film school is going to get you somewhere, I don't think that's necessarily going to happen. Yeah, I've, I'm with you on the same idea that I don't think film school is to make you successful because it's not. I no. think making film is what's going to make you a filmmaker, but film school is great for exploring. Yeah. yeah. If that's where you want to be, when you're 18 or 20 or 28 or whenever you're going to film school, if that's what you have to do, then I think you have to honor that. No. Now, when did you, and this is something, again, coming from a lower tier indie guy, when did you know you kind of crossed over into that, that, like, oh, now I'm able to pull these guys, the, these Hollywood guys, versus your up-and-comers when did you know you're like okay cool now i have to sit down and really make that budget make the budget work um i'm no longer pitching to my friends now i'm pitching to agencies um now i have a distribution you know distributor um when did that happen for you or was that there a certain place i mean i think even with my first film i was always in the kind of like Hollywood arena in that, you know, we were submitting the script to, you know, agencies, getting, you know, passes and, you know, you know, negotiating, you know, talent, you know, nobody in my first film who acted in my first film was a friend, yeah. um, but they, they're all become my friends, but they were, you know, they were people I knew. So, you know, I don't think I ever had like a sense that I sort of crossed over um, yeah, I don't think that ever really happened. I feel like I've always been operating in the same kind of sphere for all of my films, which is really this kind of low budget indie thing. Mm -hmm. And I know that there's a lower tier, like what you're talking about, but I don't think I came out of that. You know, I think I was always kind of operating with a little bit more money within a network of kind of indie wood. Okay. Now, when you talk about money, um, a lot of us use, again, Indiegogo, um, various other ways of getting money, credit cards, loans, um, favors. Um, again, yours being a little bit higher budget-wise, mm -hmm. how do you go about getting there? 
Well, it's sort of the same thing, but you're just, you sort of start talking to people who invest a little bit more regularly in movies. I mean, you know, like it's never been such high budgets, you know, like, you know, I've, I've, every movie I've ever made has been SAG ultra low budget. So it's mm-hmm. been on the, you know, $250,000 and less SAG uh, contract. Yeah. So, you know, when you're asking, when you're trying, you know, big companies don't want to let, you know, spend $50,000 or invest $50,000 in a movie or even $100,000 in a movie. They want, they're looking for bigger fish, bigger investments, bigger fish to fry films. So I'm still working in the kind of same, how do I scramble together, you know, $250,000 to make this movie. I mean, generally it is every movie has its own different kind of set of people that get involved, but you know, generally it's people that I know people that have invested previously, you know, people that do small film investments, that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Cause it, it, it when I see different tiers again, I'm talking about the, the, like myself, First film coming in, um, just kind of testing the waters, kind of trying to figure out where I'm at. Um, nobody knows who the heck I am. And then, like you said, nobody's going to invest on somebody who doesn't have that track record, um, especially when you have no distribution. You haven't had that distribution deal already. Um, nobody's going to be like, well, you know what? Let me give you here $10,000, here $20,000. You know what I mean? I sort of disagree a little bit because here's what I think. Okay. You know, if you you run a film festival and there's film festivals all over the country, you know, and they're going on in every city in the country. I mean, really, there's so many film festivals. And those are often run by and attended by people who are film fans and would love to be involved in independent movies. And that, this is one of the great goods, I think, of film festivals, is that you can connect with audience who, you know, the rich dentist in Florida who wants to, <laughs> to be in the movie business yeah. but can't give up his dentistry practice is a real thing. Like, if you go to these festivals and you go to the Bagel Brunch yeah. And it's all the people who have donated money to make the festival happen. Those are people who would love to be an executive producer on a small indie so that they can be involved in the process. Like people, people would love, people want, would love to be involved in the process, you know, for a small, for an amount of money that often to them is not as, is not that much money, you know, $20,000, sounds like a lot of money to us filmmakers, you know, cause it's hard to scrabble together that amount of money. But if you've run, you know, I have so many examples of this because I've gotten approached so many times over the years by people and gotten business cards and, you know, people who want to invest in films. It's, it's really not, it's not that crazy. <laughs> I'm looking at you like, What's the secret? Let me write down the secret. But okay, let's let's talk about this because it seems like it's it's a secret. Yeah. A lot of young up and comers, and, and I know a lot of them, and I think that's why we started film noobs and we started doing um, rough with our festival because it was a different tier kind of guy. Yeah. And we, we wanted to reach little guys, little guys. Because a lot of them, they were like, dude, we're so tired of the festivals. And I'm like, yeah, but there's there's pros to the big festivals. And a lot of them are like, yeah, but we're lower, lower budget. We're like zero budget guys and nobody ever looks at us and we can't afford this. I'm okay, well, let's, let's work with you. Um, and even in film noobs, I'm like, okay, you're a director, but I get it. You don't have that audience. So let's work with each other to grow your audience so you can be able to pull these kind of guys. One thing that you said, you go to the brunch, you have a business card, pass out the business card. What, what's what's your, like, when you go to a festival, what's your preparation and how do you mentally prepare yourself? Like, I'm going to put myself out there. 
I'm going to pass out these cards. I'm going to sell myself as the next big thing. Talk to me about that. Well, I mean, for me, I go up and I, I, I show up to my screening, you know, and I look kind of presentable. I mean, yeah. honestly, I think this kind of thing makes a difference. If I'm about to hand you, if I want somebody to hand me $30,000 or $25,000, you know, you know, I see people stand up at the screen. <laughs> I've been doing this too long. I see people stand up at these screenings at festivals. You know what I mean? And I'm like, you're a director. Your job as a director is for people to follow you. Like, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't follow this person to the, <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you're, you're showing, you got to show up for your audience and show up for your movie and kind of have some, you know, I'm not saying everybody should wear a collared shirt and a sweater, but you know what I mean? Like get yourself together a little bit and then, yeah, yeah. you know, in your own style, even, you know, Jim Jarmusch wears a hat, but you know, and I think show up, you know, being enthusiastic about your work. Um, people always will come up to you afterwards if they like it, engage in that conversation, you know, um, and, and go, you know, go to those networking events, hang out there for an hour or two. I think it's natural, like natural connections, natural friends, you know, will emerge. I don't think it's so, I don't think it, it has to be so directed. You know, I think if you're just, if you just put yourself in the place and kind of go in with an open attitude and, a, and kind of a seriousness about your work and thinking of it as, as what your life is, people will respond to it and they'll be attracted to you. I don't think it's any more, I don't think there's any, any more to it than your own kind of what you're putting out. Okay. This brings me back to another question. I don't know. Is that? And I've, asked, I, I've asked this to many people. You, do you call yourself a director? Yeah. Well, I call myself a filmmaker. A filmmaker. Yeah. Um, and this, this is one of the questions I asked one of my buddies because he had like 40 feature films. He's been on Blockbuster and everything. And I'm like, you know what? Like, uh, I listened to, what's the name? Oh, man. Robert Rodriguez. He's like, dude, once you pick up a camera, you make a two, three second thing. You're a filmmaker. You are a director. I'm like, well, I think there's more to it. You know, I, I wouldn't call myself anything that I didn't know the craft. Right. You know what I mean? And, and I think being a director, being a filmmaker, there's a craft behind it. Yeah. Um, and and that that's one of the things that I wanted to ask you about. Again, when you present yourself, you present yourself as a filmmaker or as a director, or how do you kind of feel to be able to call yourself that? Well, I mean, I sort of agree with with Robert Rodriguez in a way. You know, this idea of you self-identify as a director. You know, you have to just or a filmmaker. You know, like it's your, no one is going to anoint you with that, you know, or no one's going to let you into the club. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's tricky now because, you know, like, okay, if I go outside and, and shoot some footage on my iPhone of a flower and then post that on Instagram, you know, am I a filmmaker or a director, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I don't think that, that really that really cuts it. Um, so I'm, I'm not really sure. I mean, I do know that there's this, I guess the one thing that I would say is that you can't ever let someone else or some other entity or body, film festivals, critics, distribute, whatever, none of, you don't need them to tell you you're a filmmaker or a director. You know, you really only need to decide for yourself and then just say it. <laughs> it is, I mean, it is. It, it's funny because, again, everybody has a different reaction to that question. And it is, it's, um, I mean, it is self-anointing, I guess, um, how you explain it. And again, it goes back to that 
the craft behind calling yourself that because I was a photographer for, I, I studied photography and I went and I did it for several years before I even called myself a photographer. But then I look on Craigslist and I look on Facebook and I'm like, hey, photographer for 50 bucks. I'll do your wedding. And then you look at the photos and I'm like, oops, sorry. No, you're good. Sorry. Just turn this off. <laughs> you're good. But then again, you look at their work and you're like, you don't quantify yourself as a photographer. And that's where the question comes in. It's like, well, how do you quantify yourself as a director, filmmaker? And like you said, I mean, you, there's nothing really quantifying or, or there's no ABC. Oh, here you go. Here's your diploma as a quantified director, whoever there is out there. You know I mean, there film festivals could say you're award-winning director, but then it's like, you know, it's a 50 tier festival that only nobody sees. I mean, as opposed to now you're an award winning director at South by Southwest. Well, you know, this is, this gets into sort of like a, I always have like this, I try and think of things in a long view, you know, mm -hmm. I'm doing a project. I'm sort of, okay. So John Keats was a poet who nobody paid any attention to got terrible reviews, you know, uh, Van Gogh never sold a painting. Yeah. There's, there's a long view that happens with art, you know, and Van Gogh was a painter, <laughs> you know, never <laughs> sold a painting, never yeah. had a show, but we know now <laughs> that he was definitely a painter. Yeah. So it's sort of like, it's really not important to get a festival or anybody's authorization to be an artist. I, th I think it's actually, I think actually one of the, I love film festivals, you know, I think they do a lot of great goods. I think one of the things that they don't do sometimes very well is have that, you know, a lot of the language that's used around filmmaking, like, okay, we, we rejected your film. Okay. Or whatever. A lot of this kind of language I think is sort of discouraging to artists and is not is not useful for organizations that are supposed to be supporting and encouraging artists. So anyway, that's a long way of saying once you've decided, you should just say it and own it. Yeah. Now I'm gonna play the devil's advocate here. Festivals, we know in in the long run, or in the bigger scope of things, we know festivals are competition. Mm -hmm. The rejection part. Yeah. And, and I've gotten it plenty of times. That, that standard letter, right. hi, Mr. Mendez, your film sucked. <laughs> Not so many words, but you feel it. That you're like, at the end of it, you're like, fuck, I, I suck. And, and either you, you're going to bounce back from that, or you're going to be like, dude, that's number 50. Yes. You know what I mean? So there's, there's two ways of seeing it, but at the end of the day, we know film festivals or should know that film festivals are a competition. Right. At the same time, they're a form of, like you were saying, for it's an outlet for filmmakers. And it should be used as an outlet for filmmakers, but it's still a competition. Yeah, I mean, I don't really think of them as a competition in a way. Like, filmmaker, fil what film festivals do is they exhibit work. So, you know, so films are being curated and chosen and selected for presentation. But they're, you know, to a specific audience, you know. So festivals are curating work for their audience. And just because they decide to show one movie versus another movie doesn't necessarily mean that, like, as as you sort of suggested a second ago, that, that, that your movie, like, sucks or stinks or you did a terrible job or whatever. <laughs> it it yeah. honestly just may not be the right fit for that festival or not somebody's taste, you know. And listen... The Bluetooth Virgin was rejected by, you know, five festivals or six festivals. I don't even remember, you know, where it premiered was not the first festival we submitted to. Yeah. And, you know, then the movie comes out and it gets a review in the LA Times saying that, you know, Billy Wilder would have loved this movie. And, you know, what I mean, like it gets all these great reviews. So it's like, who it, it's who knows? You know, it's like one person's taste, not, not another person's taste. It's 
art is so subjective. So I don't, I really think, you know, getting a, a festival decline. I don't even like the word rejected. I just say that they, you know, <laughs> they, I always say they didn't program it. Yeah. I, I, I love your take on this because I really do. And again, I'm just playing devil's advocate. I'm kind of picking on you a little bit. See, get some, get some reaction on, on film festivals. When I, Cause I've, I've heard it on both ends because again, running my own film festival, I get so many letters like, well, why didn't you do this? And I, I've gotten a hate mail once and it was like almost three pages long as to why I was so wrong not picking their film. And I was like, look, first of all, I, I appreciate you writing me the letter. I really do. I understand you because I am a filmmaker. But you also have to understand, I run a small film festival with very limited screening time. Because the theater that we use, they give us one day and and they work with us. So with all that said, I'm like, look, I have to be very picky about who we actually screen and who we get and whatnot because of A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I'm not saying your film was wrong. It just didn't fit that criteria. And then they're like, well, still, da, 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 da. I'm like, okay, you know, <laughs> you can't win them all. Well, this is what the Bluetooth version's about. You know, people get their, their whole, all self-worth and their, you know, everything tied up in their work, you know? And so they get this letter and they think, you know, you're attacking them personally. Yeah. And, and again, that uh, when, we, when we saw the film, we're like, dude, we're laughing about it because, again, we have been at every situation that you posted, you know, like, um, my favorite one was with the wife. They're going back and forth, you know, different rooms. You know, because when I was writing my first film, I was so engulfed in it. I was like, dude, next masterpiece. I kept writing, 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 writing. And I put everything aside to the point where even when I was editing, I put my family aside. And yeah. she was like, dude, what the hell is going on? It's just a movie. I'm like, no, it's not just a movie. It's my masterpiece. And she's like, it's just a movie. It, it, it's going right. to be seen by your friends and it's going to go on Amazon. We already know what you're, the process that you're going to do. It's just a movie guy. And I'm like, no, no, you just don't understand me. And I saw your film and I was like, asshole. <laughs> I mean, I, I, like, <laughs> I have some personal opinions on like, you know, what, you know, if I ran all the festivals in the world, how I would approach this topic of not letting in festivals or not, you know, choosing films. I would be very careful about the languaging, you know, like I would say, I wouldn't, I hate those letters. I mean, I don't hate them, but I just find them like a little obnoxious. Like we received like 98,000 submissions. Well, it's like, that doesn't really make me feel better. That <laughs> because I know that I've put, you know, five years of my life in this. Yeah. It doesn't make me feel better that there's like a, you know, some sort of truck, wheelbarrow out there with movies you know it doesn't <laughs> i think that i think that you know those sort of past letters could be a little bit some are better than others that's all i'm saying <laughs> in my there's no way there is no way of telling somebody i'm sorry but whatever you yeah. know what i mean it's like well you know what i mean it's, and and I've been to somewhere it it is a competition. And yeah. I'm like, wow, dude, you're like really poking at filmmakers. But I'm like, uh, and there's some, like you said, they're curated and they make you feel like everybody is at the same level, whether you're doing a $200,000 film or a $200 film. Yeah. I mean, if, so, if yeah. doing that is, if they can get that done that way that's the best you know if you can make everybody sort of feel like they're we're all doing the same kind of work you're all filmmakers you know you're all directors you're all that that title is not really there but it is there for a purpose or reason whatever it might be yeah you know? so I, I mean i understand it. i've seen both sides of the coins again i just wanted to see your take on it um and you said you're working on a, full, a couple more projects right well, I, I'm working on this film, Lauren and Rose, which has taken up many, many years of my life. <laughs> and uh, so it's just 
finishing up, which is good. Um, and, you know, with this whole kind of global shutdown, it's kind of made it a little, I don't know, it's, it's an interest, it's an interesting headspace to be in about what to do next. I haven't really figured it out. Now, I got, I got a question on that because I've seen it and I, I'm, before this happened, we were seeing a trend where the Netflixes, um, the Tubies, the, the video on demand, the apps were becoming the next gatekeepers. So what I mean by that is before it used to be the Paramounts, the whatever, and then um, the, the, the Kevin Smith came along, they broke that. And then now when Netflix got big, that was the next wave. Now, you know what I mean? So now we're seeing a lot of like the Disney Pluses straight from instead of, oh, instead of video releases or theatrical releases, we're going on that. But they're saying they're going there. Yeah. How do you see or how, what's your opinion on how you see this whole transformation of, of, of film? Um, I don't really know because I, I it's it'll be interesting to see what happens with this movie. You know, I've gone through everything. You know, like my first film was sort of the model where you get the large advance from the distributor. You know, and then they did a little theatrical to get good reviews, and then they put it out in, in home video and then TV, and then all of the streaming things were sort of like down the down the cycle, and then. The Bluetooth version was like that too, actually. And then Annie and the Gypsy was this movie I made with Sybil Shepherd, which was like the last gasp of home video. Like they really wanted to make a TV and home video sale of, out of that. Then I made this movie called Search Engines, which was all, it was all about the streaming, you know? And <laughs> I mean, just as it goes along, the filmmaker's recruitment is sort of less and less and harder and harder. That's what I've experienced. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know what will happen on this movie, though. This movie has some other kind of selling. It has a bigger star and I think will probably be better reviewed than the last movie. So maybe it'll be different. I don't know. OK. Yeah, because like I said, I mean, the model has changed a lot. It used to be before where you have one or two stars. You're good. They're going to pick you up. You know I mean, or you're going to get screened. And because you're gonna get screened, you're gonna get that contract, yada yada. Um, but now it's, it's, I mean, I don't know, it's changed so much. And even then, like I said, Disney, instead of going to theaters, they're saying, okay, we're gonna go straight to Disney Plus. Um, they're they're changing their model. They're adapting. You know what I mean? I mean, it does seem like most of these street, a lot of these streaming services are generating their own content too, so they're not licensing stuff as much. Uh, so I just don't know. I don't know. I mean, obviously there's money to be made out there somehow because there's still a whole industry that supports the films being made and produced and, you know, festivals as, as markets and all of this kind of stuff. But I just don't know what the numbers are like. No, as far as distribution goes, um, you have a different model than most of us where your distributor paid you to make the film. No, that's never happened. No. No, well, maybe I misunderstood. Well, with your distributor, did you make the film first and then get the distributor? Mm -hmm. Or, okay, so it's still that same model where you make the movie, you get the distributor, the distributor plays with it, and then you're like, okay, cool. Yeah, um, well, <laughs> not really. This, I mean, distributors are generally cro very crooked and very difficult. I've not had, on my last film, I had a terrible experience with the distributor. So distributors are, you know, very, they're really, some of them are really bad. Yeah, because uh, with ours, with our first film, they changed, they changed the trailer, they changed the artwork. I'm like, dude, there was no explosions in our film. What the, I'm okay, whatever. I can't do anything now, but it's gone for another four years or something like that. Or, I, I don't know. I mean, but it's out there. <laughs> they're pretty they're pretty a lot of them are pretty creepy yeah somewhere in indonesia or some on bootleg getting bootlegged <laughs> somewhere but anyways but yeah as far as distributor how did you go about getting your distributor and working with them and has it been different for each film or 
Well, it's always been the movie will premiere at a festival and then we'll use that, the, the reviews or, you know, the sort of outcome from the festival mm-hmm. to introduce the film to distributors. Um, and then, you know, you'll get some offers and some different things and you sort of sift through them and, and see who's kind of seems like the best one. Um, but I'd say I've had mediocre experience with distributors up until the last one, which was a terrible experience with a distributor. <laughs> I don't think I can't say I've ever had a great experience with a distributor. Race You to the Bottom, my first film, uh-huh. was probably the best experience with a distributor. I think I started off well and went downhill. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So would you say keep going that way? Or I mean, would you change your model and say, you know what, forget this, I'm gonna go straight self-distributing? Well, the only thing that I've, the one thing that I've really changed is actually my relationship to festivals. I used to go have this attitude or tactic where I would sort of play the premiere and then I would try and sell the movie. And then whatever festival run happened, this is exactly what happened with the Bluetooth version. So the Bluetooth version premiered at the Seattle Film Festival. It, it won the jury prize and a distributor picked it up out of Seattle. And I didn't really pursue any more festival play with it because I was kind of like, well, they're doing a theatrical release then it'll come out on DVD. Like, you know, I don't really need or want to do this festival circuit anymore, you know, and also they have the rights now. I'll just let it, they took all the rights. So my festival run is over. You know, my attitude now is I want to just play, I want to play the movie as many festivals. And then what, you know, I lost the rights for 10 years, which is why I started sending it to festivals again. Like when the rights came back to me, I started submitting it again and just showing it places, you know, and actually festivals like yours have actually been pretty receptive to showing an old title because there's no other way to see the movie. So, um, it's, uh, my viewpoint really has been the joy of making these films and the real pleasure comes from the festival run, you know, and from, you know, all of the, you know, and interacting with people who've seen it, interacting with you, you know, seeing people who've seen your work and appreciate it. Like that's, that's the prize now for me versus getting a distributor report that says your movie has been seen like, you know, in the month of March, it's been seen, you know, 1600 times. It's like, I just don't care about that anymore. What I care about is how the work that I did is impacting people, affecting them, you know, whether they like it or not, you know, them experiencing it. Um, that's what it's about for me. That's awesome. Because I was talking to Scott Dunn in our previous uh, um, interview and I talked to him about the fact that when he screened it, I think it was um, the San Francisco Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, how did you feel when the lights turned on, you turned around and you're like, wow, there's like 200 plus people there to see your stuff. And they all applied you and they're like questions and, you know, interacting with that. And he's like, man, dude, there's a, there's a feeling to that. There's a feeling of going to a theater physically being there like you're saying interacting with your audience just having that reception yeah um and i think most of us as filmmakers that's what we love that's the the meat and potatoes for it all yeah you know to see somebody's face and and talk about your film really talk about your film and be like you know i like this part because da 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 oh man i like this part because yeah 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 one part of that uh, we had a grandma. There was a lady who played a grandma, and one of the audience members came up to her, hugged her real hard, and said, "You know what? You remind me of my grandma." And she started crying. I was like, "Oh wow!" I mean, this is—I mean, it was my first film, not the best, but there was an interaction between an audience member and the cast member, and it was beautiful. And I was like, "Dude, that's that's what I live for. Yeah. I love it." Even even though I know it's a ring-a-ding film, I know it was my first film, I made a lot of mistakes, but there was still that interaction. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. 
I don't think there's any such thing as a rinky-dink film, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I call it a rinky-dink film because I know I've grown from that. You know what I mean? And and that's one of the things that me personally, I have to just say, you know, this was my starting point. Yeah. And I've grown from there. And, and just, just, I didn't know what I was doing. I had zero budget. It was friends and family. Um, it just, every mistake you can make, I made it. But yeah. I love it. I, that's one of my, that, I love that film. <laughs> I mean, that, that, <laughs> See, that's, that's, that's what you're going to say. You're going to say, like, I, I made this film and I love it. I made some mistakes, but God, do I love it. I think that's the best attitude. <laughs> I do. I, I try to get everybody to watch it. I'm like, dude, you should watch my film. It, it, it's funny. It's quirky. It's cheesy. But you got to watch it, you know? But anyway, um, I, I, man, I don't know. Going back to, again, your film, um, before we close out the Bluetooth uh, version, yeah. um, I know you could watch it on Amazon. Yeah, that's actually not supposed to be happening. I keep trying to get that off there. <laughs> <laughs> and I was going to promote it because I want people to see it. No, no, no. I, I know. You know, to be honest with you, um, if your listeners want to see the movie, you know, they can write me and I will send them a link and they can watch it for free. I'm I'm happy if you know because I you know I'm happy to save people the five bucks, which isn't even going to me anyway. Um, and I will send you a link and you can watch it for free. So just right. tell me. The one thing I ask is that you write me three two sentences after you've watched it and tell me what you think, good or bad. All right, cool. So we'll, we'll do that. We'll we'll, yeah. we'll put it out there. If any of our audience wants to watch it, they could. I'll I'll put the link down there. Um, we'll, we'll use your website. You know, that way they go to your website yes. and contact you via your website. Sure. Um, but it is uh, the Bluetooth version. I'll probably even do a review on it and put it up probably this week or next week oh, on our that. channel. Um, because I do. I, I really love the movie. And that was the reason why it got picked as, you know, the best overall film, because it was different. I, I'm a big horror genre, uh, B-movie, sci-fi kind of guy. Yeah. But when I watched this, I was like, I really love the nuance of making fun of who we are and, and kind of picking on ourselves and, and just going through those ideas, that, that step, like you were saying, the process of how to deal with each other when it's not so favorable, I guess. Yeah. And you're like, man, dude, I, I, I want to keep that relationship because it's important. Yeah. But then I also want to be honest to you because... You know what I mean? That's what I should be doing as a friend. <laughs> See, I mean, this this conversation is exactly why I make films. You know, like having that kind of somebody say that to me, it means that I really communicated what I was hoping to communicate. You know, and that's that makes the whole thing worthwhile. That's why artists do what they do. You know, so thank you. I'm, oh, I'm oh, very, I'm thank very you. genuine when I say that. I mean, it's really why I, you know, everyone knows the pain and torture that this goes on to make these things. And, um, it's worth it when you connect with people. No, man, thank you for submitting your film. Otherwise, we would have never seen it. <laughs> it was our privilege. Honestly, it was our privilege as, as a festival to receive the submission. And I honestly say that because we can't be festivals without the submission and the hard work of filmmakers like yourself. Yeah. Um, and even though we are a smaller lower tier festival we want to say that we've gotten quality and and many quality films to where you're like man it's hard selecting one or two yeah it is it, it is um but at the end of the day little things that stand out to you little ideas you know you, at the end of the day i had a payoff of the film and i think that's one of the things that i got my my short story guys and i'm like dude give me a pay don't give me cliffhangers don't your short story give me a payoff yeah so you feature film when you have that that transition and that that completeness that completeness and, you know. yeah and and you're like wow okay yeah that was badass yeah. and you sit there and you're like, oh it's a documentary i wasn't bored it's a drama i felt it i was like okay cool yeah, you start writing it. You contact the director, and I mean that's that's what I look for. Um, 
and and again, I I can't keep saying enough good things about your film. Oh, and thanks. again, that's why we connected with you to try to get you know a little just one on one with you, man, and see where the film came from. Well, I'm glad I was able to make it happen. Talk to you <laughs> <laughs> again. It, it's 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 our pleasure, man, to have you on the show and, and to be able to connect with you and talk to you. And again, see where the film comes from, the mind of, you know, Russell, and then be like, okay, cool. Now we understand, you know, <laughs> great guy, <laughs> great film, two and two together. So awesome. We do thank you for, for coming in and taking the time to be here on the show. And, and I know we couldn't talk, talk because of um, everything that's going on with, with the whole yeah. distancing. But I think it's because of that, that we're allowed to do this. And yeah. That, kind of the positive flip side no i know there are they're, they're really it does it, all these little silver linings that are coming out in a weird way about what's going on so we'll see how it all shakes out i guess awesome and, and again i i do appreciate you being on the show and thank you very much um and maybe we could have you back once your next film comes out sure talk about that that'd be great thanks david awesome man thank you brother <laughs> all right have a great day talk to you later take care of yourself see you bye